right, while everyone watches me struggle with the stand, we need like some filling music or something. Like Benny Hinn music or something. Y'all too young for Benny Hinn. Y'all don't know who Benny Hinn is. Come from my childhood, tell you my age. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Oh, so excited that uh, you are here and that God brought us all here together. Uh, and we're looking forward to seeing what God is up to uh, today. So if you are here for the very first time, I want to especially welcome you. Thank you all for coming and hanging out with us here at the Mercy Vineyard Church. Uh, we love having you here. So let's open up in prayer and then we'll get going on today's message. So Father, Father, Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit, our guide, we need you. We invite you in. We pray for your leadership. We pray for your guidance. We pray for a fresh anointing on this message, on our ears, on this opportunity so that we can grow closer to you. We pray that you would tear down any barriers that's preventing us from connecting with you today. Meet us. Meet us right where we are. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask you. Amen. All right, so what Holly was talking about, I mean, I don't know if she was reading my notes or what, but I think that's how the Holy Spirit works. It's about culture making, culture making, and we want to talk about culture making as we start talking about our new series. We're excited about this series. It's called Sticks and Stones, Sticks and Stones. You see, we want to create a culture of Christ-like communicators and connectors, Right? who use their words to love other people. And so that's what this series is all about. That's what we hope to accomplish. That's what we're striving for is to build this culture to be culture makers. Now, we all know what sticks and stones are. We've heard that phrase. We've seen sticks. We've seen stones. We even decorated. We had some wonderful people decorate these tables up here uh, with some sticks and stones, and they are amazing. But sticks... We all know what sticks are, but sticks can be used as a weapon of warfare, or it could be used to bring balance in a tightrope situation. Stones, stones are solid, non-metallic mineral matter in which rock is made from. Stones can be used to be destructive. We've seen in biblical stories where stones were used as tools of execution. Jasmine Sullivan says, you bust the windows out your car. That's an old reference. I don't recommend any of those. But stones can also be used as solid foundation to build a lasting structure on top of, right? Sticks and stones have multiple uses. They, they have multiple end results. It, it's all about the user, how the user wields them. So sticks and stones, they remind me of a sport that I used to play. Anybody here ever play baseball or softball? I played little league baseball when I was a kid and, and, and all like through my teen years. And I enjoyed playing baseball. You know, baseball was so much fun. But I remember one time I showed up at a game and our catcher did not show up to the game. So coach came to me and said, Gary, would you play catcher this game? 
And I said, look, I've I never done it before, but I'm up for new things. I'll try it out. Why not? I put on the shin guards. I put on the chest protector. I put on the face mask. I had the glove. I look like a real catcher. And so I got in the game. I got behind home plate on my knees and I put the glove out and I'm ready to go. I think it's, it's that simple, right? So the pitcher throws the first pitch. It comes through. The batter swings and misses. And I see a fastball coming right at me. So what do I do? I close my eyes. And I pray for the best. That ball comes in and hits me in this thigh. Ouch. There's no protection on your thigh over here. So I said, look, I'm in pain, but I'm smart, I think. I'm going to put this knee up like this. i got a shin guard here. It's going to protect me. And so I'm protected now. I'm going to put my glove up. The second pitch comes in, the batter swings and misses. Strike two. I'm processing all this in like three seconds. And I close my eyes again. There's a fastball coming right at my face. And that ball comes and hits me in this thigh. Can you imagine? I, a child, am laying in the dirt in pain. The coach has to come and take the gear off of me. Like, yeah, hey, you're not going to play catcher in this game today. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, baseballs hurt. They do. If they are thrown at you at high speed, a baseball can hurt you. It can leave a bruise. It can leave a lasting scar. But just like a baseball being hurled at you at high speeds can hurt you, so can words. Words can be damaging. Words can hurt us. I complete this statement. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... We all know that statement. Words will never hurt me. There's never been a greater lie than that statement right there. That statement is absolutely, completely untrue. And unfortunately, this statement has uh, been in our minds for years. We think that the only harm is physical. Words can hurt worse than a baseball. So today what we want to talk about is how we can build a culture of Christ-like communicators who don't hurt each other with our words, but we use our words for love. Words being hurled at someone can have long-term pain and damage associated with them. Now, many of you have, you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced this. Maybe you've had a conversation with someone who's very close to you and they've said something that has hurt you that you might be even feeling now decades later. Yeah, maybe you had a conversation with your spouse or with a teacher or with your friend or with some loved one, family member. And that still brings up bad memories. Gary, why are you bringing up these bad memories? Well, we want to deal with them. Have you ever had someone say something that was incredibly damaging to you? Like uh, maybe you were in school and you thought you were doing your best in school. You were writing your ABCs or your reports or whatever you were doing. And the teacher comes over and sits next to you and says, I thought you were smarter than that. 
Maybe you were at work, you were on the job, and you were doing your very best, and you were bringing the money in. You, you were doing uh, uh, what you were paid to do, you thought, and then your boss calls you into the office and sits you down. You think you're going to get a raise. You think you're going to get accommodation, and they say, you're not quite the employee we thought we hired. Maybe you started your own business. And you're, you're out there doing it. You're killing it. You, you got your business going. You're getting new clients. You're, you're doing your thing. And your spouse says, you're not making enough to support this family. Go get a real job. Maybe somebody harms you by saying women can't preach. Maybe they've dashed your dreams. Maybe somebody said men can barely take care of themselves, let alone take care of their kids. Go get a job, man. You see, poorly thought out statements can cause dreams to be shattered, can cause hopes to be dashed, can cause cultures to be oppressed, can cause progress to be stunted, can cause divisions to be formed, can cause hate to be manifested, can cause futures to go unrealized. Poorly chosen words. It's not always what you say that will cause problems and divisions, but it's how you say what you say that can actually cause some challenges in your life. A lot like this situation on this video that we're going to play. Well, we were going to play it. But they don't want us to play it. So when you get home, go on YouTube and look up State Farm commercial. See if you see that one. Right? But we can say things one way and they be perceived another way. Let me tell you what Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Hmm. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. You see, words have the power to destroy life. Words have the power to destroy a family. Words have the power to destroy a future, to crush self-esteem, to crush your dream. But words also have the power to give life. Words have the power to bring healing. Words have the power to bring encouragement. Words have the power to rebuild relationships that you thought were too far gone. The choice is absolutely yours. How are you going to use your words today? How are you going to use your words this week? It's something for us to think about. How can we cultivate a culture of Christ-like communicators as we use our words in a loving way to rebuild relationships? That's a, that's a question we want to talk about and answer today. You know, we've been called as Christ followers, those of us who are Christ followers, we've been called to be reconcilers, re reconcile relationships to God, reconcile relationship with others. It's important that we maintain this priority and this focus I'd like for this church, I'd like to see for this church, I'd like for the Mercy Vineyard Church to prioritize rebuilding relationships with loving words. I think that's going to take us far.
Because relationships are essential to our, watch this, our personal growth. You you think about yourself for a second. Relationships are, are essential to your individual personal spiritual growth. Right. Because watch this, your uh, the way you treat others is an indicator of your spiritual growth. It's actually an indicator of your spiritual maturity. You want to see how mature someone is in their spirituality? Look at how they they treat somebody. Listen to how they speak to somebody. Say, oh, you need to read your Bible a little bit more. You need some prayer time. Come on up and let's have some ministry time. We all need to grow in this area. Relationships are not only important for us as individuals, but it's also important for us corporately. In order for us to build, to continue to build a healthy multi-ethnic, a healthy multicultural, a healthy multi-socioeconomic, a healthy multi-opinionated, a healthy multi-generational church, we're going to have to prioritize how we speak to each other. The words that we use are important. I believe that James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the book of James in the Bible, I believe that he has a formula for us to follow. I I believe that he has a strategy for restorative relationships uh, uh, that's found in James chapter 1. So listen, if you have your Bible, why don't you turn them on or open them up to James chapter number 1. We're going to read verses 19 and 20. We also have them up on the screens for your convenience. James says in the CSB version, brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. James, specifically speaking to uh, believers in Jesus, right? He calls out brothers and sisters, He's specifically speaking to us who are followers of Jesus. He has no expectation that those who are distant from Jesus are going to adhere to this restorative recipe. So it's for us as the salt of the earth to be preservers. It's for us as the light of the world to shine that light bright. It's for us to be the reconcilers and the peacemakers who use their words to rebuild relationships. Now, I don't want to leave anybody out. Those of you who are here today, I'm not naive enough to think that everybody here is following Jesus. If you are here today and you are not following Jesus, you, you, you you've haven't made that decision yet. You might be here just uh, exploring or, or checking out, uh, is this thing right for me? Or maybe you're just in com- completely against Jesus and you're just here to appease your spouse. Or somebody dragged you here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you took the step to be here and spend an hour of your time with us today. That's awesome. I commend you for that. Because today what you're going to hear is is a few steps, a few things that you could help us out with. You see, those of us who are Christ followers, we're supposed to be following this restorative recipe. And what you could do is help us and hold us accountable 
Hold us accountable when you see us not communicating in this way. Hold us accountable when you see us acting uh, uh, in a way that's opposite to what we're about to showcase. You see, the first point that James points out in this is that we need to use our ears. Everyone should be quick to listen. You see, when we talk about Christ-like communication, we want to all talk about the love and all the words you're going to say and all that kind of stuff. But he says, no, 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 don't start with what you're going to say. Start with what you're going to hear. See, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. It means you and I need to do twice as much listening as we do speaking. And he's not talking about passive listening here. He's not talking about, oh, I'm going to sit back and wait until you shut up so I can get my word in. You ever had a conversation with somebody like that? That's the most difficult person in the world to talk to. They're so full of themselves. Are you that person? (laughs) Gary got on me this week. (laughs) Now, James is specifically, I believe, speaking here about active listening. What is active listening? That's when you engage with a person who is speaking, that you show visual cues, that you're actually involved in the conversation, that you're actually listening and learning from what they have to say, that you believe what they are saying is actually important, that they are a human being and they have a perspective and it's worth hearing. So we need to learn to listen. It's an important step. If we are going to be reconcilers, if we're going to be rebuilders of relationships, it's important for us to use these two ears that we have. The second thing that James points out is that we need to watch our mouths. He says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, he's not talking about the pace at which you speak. (laughs) What he's actually talking about is think before you speak, especially when you're engaged in a, a conversation that rubs you the wrong way. Watch this. Especially when you're engaged in a social media post that rubs you the wrong way. Uh oh. He wants us to think before we Speak. Think before you post. Think before you text. Think before you send that email. I wish I thought before I send a whole lot of emails. It's on record. God have mercy. Think. Now, when we think before we speak, our response is going to be delayed. You see, it's not always about you jumping in the comments immediately. Right? When you delay what you have to say, I didn't know that rhyme, but that sounds good. <laughs> Let me kick a verse. I got bars now. <laughs> when, you, when you delay what you have to say, you're not always going to be considered the smartest person in the room. And guess what? That's okay. It's okay to not be considered the smartest person in the room all the time. Guess what? Let your phone be smart. You and I ought to want to be wise. You see, smartness is connected to to information. You can gather all the information you want. Nowadays, you don't need to gather information. You got Google. 
But we ought to want to be wise in that. What that means is that we know how to apply that knowledge to our life situations. Okay? The application of knowledge. So we can make better decisions. So we can, so we can show people love. So we're not hurting people with our words. We're thinking before we're speaking. I know I'm, I openly admit, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Uh, thank you. For that confirmation in the name of Jesus. Dick, I know, I know it's you behind the mask. <laughs> but I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I don't proclaim to be. I know that there's other preachers out there who are more articulate than I am. I know there's people out there with more degrees than me. There's more people out there who could can, who can speak way better than me without stumbling. I don't have that gift. Me and Moses are right there along with each other. But what I do try to do in any conversation that I'm involved in is to take my time and think before I speak. I try to take my time to think about what's the right thing to say in the situation that I'm involved in. What's the thing that I can say to bring hope and life into a situation and not death and destruction? And that might not come till 24 hours later. I might not be able to give you an answer right now. I might not be able to give you the right answer. I should go back and say that right now. Oh, I can give you an answer. <laughs> when we speak uh, in any conversation, any, anything that we're talking about, any conversation, any discussion throughout our lives, we need to try and understand other people's perspectives before we just jump on them and say what we have to say. So let's watch our mouths. And finally, I think the last thing that James is pulling out here is that we need to open our hearts. It's important. Open our hearts. So he wraps up the statement that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and watch this, slow to anger. Because why? Human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Hmm. Human anger is natural. Human anger is real. Right? He is not saying here that you are a bad person because you get angry. He is not saying that you are in sin because you experience anger. If you're a human being, you get angry. You do. It's a part of life. But what he is saying, what he's trying to communicate to us, is that we cannot use that anger to achieve what's right in God's eyes. Let me explain what I mean. Some of y'all looking at me. Wait a minute now, Carrie. I hear you. We can be angry about things that are not right in this world. We should be angry about the things that are not right in this world. Injustice, hunger, right? Marginalization. We should be upset and angry with all of this nonsense that's going on in this world. But that anger should drive us, should fuel our desire to learn more about that situation. Have you ever seen somebody go into a room, a, a, a movie or something, guns blazing without knowing 
The situation that they're running into, people only get hurt in those situations. You see, when we take the time to educate ourselves about something, then we can use that education and apply right, right, wisdom. We can use that to strive for a solution instead of running into a situation running off at the mouth. Anytime we run into a situation uneducated and spewing our thoughts, our biased opinions, we always end up creating more division. And we talked about unity and division last week. So if you missed last week or if you didn't hear it, why don't you go on to Mercy Vineyard's website, mercyvineyard.org, and click on that button and listen to that message. I think it'll be helpful. Connect it with this one. So you may think that you're getting back at somebody by being angry. Have you ever did that? I'm going to get them. I'm going to show them how angry I am. I'm I'm going to come out on top. I've been there. I know how that feels. I know how it feels uh, uh, in various situations to show my anger. I repent of that stuff too. But I remember like trying to show somebody that, 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 that because I'm angry, things will go my way. If I just hit this table hard enough and, and showcase my anger, that, that people will change to my side. If I raise my voice and tell you what's on my mind, that that's going to change the outcome of things that things are going to start going my way. How selfish and self-serving that stance is. The only thing that unmanaged anger does is lead to problems for the person who's showcasing that act and acting out on that anger. Unmanaged anger leads to all kinds of health problems, right? Headaches, digestive issues, Heart attacks. I don't want none of that. Right? Listen, if you are here today and you have a challenge with managing your anger, I'm, I'm real. I'm, I'm trying to be real for this whole thing, but I want you to get the help that you need. Make an appointment with your general practitioner. Make a, an appointment with a mental health uh, professional. There's no shame in getting the help for what you're challenged with. Make an appointment with one of our pastors to have an initial conversation. Listen, we are here to help because we love you. And we don't want to see you hurt or we don't want to see other people hurt. So as followers of Jesus, we're called to rebuild relationships. So let's work on our relationships. Let's work on our speech. Let's work on listening. Let's work on uh, uh, watching what we say and how we say it. Let's work on our anger and how that fuels the divisions that we continuously find in our relationships. You know, too often, instead of being patient with people, we allow our anger to sit in and uh, we break off the relationship. Have you ever done that? How many people on your social media have you blocked in the last political season? (laughs) How many people have you cut off from your life because of something that they said or posted or texted you? 
I think James is guiding us to be patient with our words, patient with our communication. And the best way to be patient and, and learn to be a better communicator is to learn to love. Learn to love. Y'all know John chapter 3, verse 16. Many, if you believe in Jesus, uh, or even if you're not, many of you us have learned this verse uh, by heart. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he... What did he give? His one and only son, his best. That whoever believed in him would have... What's up there? Eternal life. Eternal life. What, how does God uh, uh, define love? How does he define love? Giving his best to those who are against him. Oh. To those who are against him? Yeah, the world, us. You and me. Put yourself in this verse. For God so loved me that he gave me what I did not deserve in order to rebuild a relationship with me. How many of us are willing to, how many of us are willing to say this? I so love the guy who cut me off in traffic and gave, flipped me the bird that I pulled over and prayed for him. That when I saw him pull up to the stop sign and take off like a wild bat and crash into the pole, I pulled over to make sure he was all right. Can we do stuff like that? Or do we flip the bird back? Man, mm -mm -mm. what kind of words are we using? What kind of words are we using? So we need to rebuild relationships. Uh, we need to rebuild relationships with all people. Now, let me just say this before I close out, is that I'm not talking about toxic relationships. Okay. I'm not talking about those relationships that are abusive. I'm not talking about those relationships that keep you from your purpose in God. I'm not talking about those relationships that keep you in your addiction. What I want you to do in those situations is pray about it and let that go. Let God lead you away from those things that distract you and, and disgust you. And take you further and further away from him. But I do want us to rebuild healthy relationships. How do we show that love? How do we rebuild those relationships? Here's what you can do. The first thing you could do is take the first step. You make a move. Don't wait for the other person to come and, and apologize and grovel. What can you do? I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm going to ask you to make the first step. So what I want you to do right now is I want everybody to stand. And as you stand, as I was talking about rebuilding relationships, as I was talking about taking that first step, somebody popped in your mind. A relationship with someone who has been cut off. Somebody who you don't see eye to eye with. That you've now blocked on social media. That you blocked them on your phone. That you don't even talk to them anymore. Keep that person in your mind.
Keep that person in your mind. Because what I want you to do is take a step toward that person. That person could be your parent. It may be your spouse. Maybe it's a child that's walked away because you don't see eye to eye anymore. Maybe it's a friend or family member. Maybe it's your neighbor. I want you to take a step today to rebuilding that relationship so that we can honor God. We can help to love each other. And so that step is this. At the front of the church and on the, at the back doors, we have sticks and stones. There's stones at every table. And what I want you to do is this is a gift for you. It's to go take a step to these tables. Step out of your row. As the worship team gets up here and gets ready to, 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 to uh, sing, take a step out and grab a stone for yourself. Just come on up. And on that stone, I want you to write the name of that person or the initials that you need to reconcile with. Would you take a moment and do that? Come on right now. There's table over here, table over there. Take a stone, write the name on it, and take the stone with you. I don't want you to leave it here. Everybody doesn't need to know your business. There's somebody in your life that you need to take a step toward. As you write that name, that, those initials on that rock, I want you to keep that rock with you throughout this week. Because I want you to use it as a memorial, as a reminder that every day I need to rebuild a relationship with that person. I, I need to listen closer to what they have to say. I, I need to Watch the words that I choose when I have a conversation with that person. And I need to open my heart to hear what the Holy Spirit is up to and love on that person like Jesus loved me. Keep that rock with you, that stone. And what I want you to do is bring that stone back with you next week. Because we're going to keep this whole series. This is going to be a foundation stone as we continue to grow in our relationships with Jesus and with others. Jesus, we thank you so much for your reconciling power, for the Holy Spirit who lives inside of each one of us who has chosen to be with you. Father, I pray that you would empower us to do what we can't do in our human flesh. Have a conversation. I pray that you would empower us to rebuild the relationships that are broken in our lives so we could be more and more like you. You gave up everything just to be with us. I pray that we would give a little bit 
just to be in better relationship with those around us. We love you, and we pray you help us love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.